Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Should I be starting a Christmas series? This is weird. Look at this. Man, it's March and it's snowing. Well, one time I remember Nathan and I coming home on his birthday on the 20th, you know, of March, 2021st there, and uh, it's snowing like this. Really strange. Good morning and welcome again to Greater Alton Church. Good to have you with us here. And uh, I'm Tim, if some of you don't know who I am. But it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, I saw Bob Stanford in the crowd. It was good to see Bob here. I, has he just stepped out? There he is. Hey, Bob. Good to have Bob uh, here this morning with us. And so um, I know he was in the hospital earlier this week, if I remember right. And so good to have you with us. Uh, we're in the middle of a series right now. We're calling The One Another Way. We've been looking at all these different passages. There's so many. We're not going to cover them all in this series. But today I want to, I want to talk about working well with each other, getting along with one another. Um, recently, um, this week, in fact, I, I've been trying to find somebody to fill a position at work. And so I finally put something on Indeed.com. I never heard of Indeed.com. Uh, it, it's a place where you can post a job and people will respond to it with little uh, resumes or information about themselves. And uh, one of the guys, um, one of the resumes caught my eye. I interviewed this fellow, uh, and uh, he started this this past week, just a couple of few days ago. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was is that in his, on his application, he talked about his hobbies and some of his experiences and where he worked, you know, gave his name, where he went to school. But, you know, it didn't have a lot of information there. And so I just thought of something. Why don't I see if he's on Facebook? And what I learned was you can learn a lot about somebody on Facebook. You can learn a lot about them from the friends they have, from the relationships they have. And it was just so refreshing to not see a bunch of crazy nonsense or lewd, dirty dialogue on a Facebook page. Um, Now, those of you who have that kind of stuff on your page, uh, I don't go to, so I hope you don't have that. But um, I just thought that was interesting. And for me, I got to thinking about this, that a person can tell a lot about me and tell a lot about you as Christians by the friends and the relationships we have. How we uh, respond to all the one another passages in the Bible how we treat each other, how we get along with each other, how we get along in our marriage with our family and with each other here at our church. Um, Jesus understood this. Up here on the screen, there's a passage we've been using um, uh, as as a kickoff passage. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are My disciples. And you think about it, Jesus, He understood this, that your relationship is going to say a lot about you. Not just about me, but a lot about you, whether or not you really are my followers. Um, one of the things that I got to thinking about was is that there's an acid test for discipleship, and there's several in the Bible. One is, do you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you love Him above everything else? That's an acid test for discipleship. Another one is, do you love His Word? But here we see that the acid test for my discipleship is in how I treat other people. How I treat other people. Now, I'm not speaking out of strength here, so bear with me because I've got some weakness. And even in myself, I go, man, Tim, you know, people can 
figure out who you are by the company you keep, but also by the company you give others, how you treat others. And so that's what I want us to think about, because this is, very, this is very important. How do we treat each other as a church? You know, the world's watching us. How we work together, how we get along with one another. The world watches us, and it watches closely. In a little book by Rubel Shelley called Christian Evidences, I, I read this book when I was a new Christian. In that book, he lists uh, four different obstacles that people face when they're trying to come to faith in Christ. An unbeliever will have trouble believing in God, believing in the existence of God. And he gives four obstacles. One of them is uh, the, the question of God's nature. How can there be a God if there's people suffering? And so a lot of people can't get past that question. Or if God is so good, then why do bad things happen to good people, even godly people? It just doesn't measure up. And maybe they've got a question about the Word of God. Are we sure that we can trust the Word of God? I mean, it's been translated so many times, and and we say this, and maybe you've thought this, you can make it say anything you want. And and uh, you might hear somebody say, how do you know it's really from God? Because it's written by 40 different men, all working together there. And you know, and how do you know? But then he comes across this one, he says, one probably the greatest reason people have a struggle and have a, it's challenging for them to embrace Jesus Christ is how Christians live with each other. Uh, we were discussing this week, Alan and Gary and I were discussing just a, a, a person that used to go here that is not, a, he says he's not an atheist, but he's struggling with a lot of stuff. And one of the things that he struggles with is, I really have a hard time believing there's a God Either that or he's not disconnected, he's not connected to the church, to, to, to his churches, because I watch the way churches treat each other, and it just makes you go, is God even, is he aware of this? Does he notice this? Is he a part of this? Was it Gandhi that said, it's, I love God, but it's the people I'm not sure about that follow him? Something like that. And so, I, I just, as I was thinking about this today, I just couldn't help but think about how people, We'll have questions maybe about God's nature. What we teach about God's nature. They, they do want understanding. And some people may have a hard time getting past the answer to that. It may not satisfy them. Or it may be that, that uh, it's not necessarily that. They're having trouble trusting their Bible and that may be a barrier. But I believe the biggest barrier is they see how we treat one another. The biggest question they have, church, is this. Not, is the Bible real or is God real? But how will I be treated if I were a part of this group? That makes sense? Would you agree with that? Was that a question you wondered about when you first started going to church? How will I be treated? How well will I get along with everybody else? How well will they get along with me? You see, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at how well we get along. How well do we work with each other. And that's what I want to talk about is working well with each other today. Look at this up here on the screen is in Proverbs. Locusts have no king, but they are able to work together. You know, Solomon makes this observation to his son, says, you know, notice something. God's designed the insects to be able to work together. I think of bees. I think of bumblebees. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You're on vacation, maybe in Oklahoma or Texas or somewhere in the south or somewhere. Uh, and uh, 
you go to this restaurant, maybe a Stuckey's. That dated myself, I know. I'll even date myself even more. A Howard Johnson's. Oh my. Who are they? <laughs> Google it. Uh, but what's interesting to me was I remember as a kid going into one of these restaurants there and they, some of them have the beehive against behind the glass. And you may know what I'm talking about. You see that beehive and the, and the bees, and I'm like seven, eight years old, and the bees are just a buzzing, and they're working, and I'm noticing they're bumping into each other, and they're going around in circles, and they're working away. And then they have all this honey they're, they're making. It's so sweet. And I'm thinking, as a kid, going, wow, how do they do that? Because it's crowded in there. And they're bumping into one another. Does a bee ever go, hey, you're in my personal space here, pal? No, nothing like that. They just buzz, buzz, buzz and work, work, work. And they make the sweetest honey. uh, Something sweet to the taste. Now, how often have you wished our Congress would work together? Why can't they just get their act together, set their differences aside and pass something do something, but do nothing Congress. Oh, I wish our Congress would get it. Work together. Me too. I hear you. Or maybe the workplace. You're working somewhere and there's a little drama going on. And it's almost like the, everything grinds to a halt because there's this infighting between departments. If you're, I want to, if you work at a car lot, I don't mean to offend you, but you've got some serious problems over there in them dealerships, folks. The parts department doesn't like the service department. The service department doesn't like the sales department. And they're always trying to, you know, rip each other off. They don't work together. We see it all the time in the autoglass business. I have some drama going on in my business all the time. But we're all Christians. Yeah. But it happens. Something's said, something's done. Bam! Somebody's upset and they're not speaking to one another. And that's bad for business. Or maybe maybe it's uh, you'd like to see not your workplace work better together. Maybe it's just home. I wish mom and dad would get along. I, I tell you this uh, as a experience. When my mother and father would fight when I was a young child, I grew up a, with a very insecure outlook on life. And uh, sometimes the kids, while you're arguing, you say, they can't hear us. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. They see it. And they're off in their bedrooms talking. If you've got more than one, here's what they're talking about. I wish they'd quit fighting. I wish they'd quit fighting so we could go get ice cream. I wish they'd quit fighting because it just I get a knot in my stomach. Anybody here when you grew up remember those moments? Yeah. It's not good for the home or you, or or a... Or you're fighting with your parents. You're, you're, you're in junior high or high school and you're fighting with your parents and, you're, and the tension and everybody else is not liking it. Dad isn't liking it. Mom isn't liking it. Wouldn't you just like to see some harmony in the home too? That's what I'm talking about today. It's about working with each other. Working in harmony with each other. You see, God wants His church to work well together. It's so important to Him that it's in every epistle, every church letter, there's some discussion about working together, getting along with each other. I guess it's a common problem. No guessing. It is a common problem in every church. Sometimes it's loud and sometimes it's like the Cold War. It's very quiet. 
I will not work with that person. I will not talk to that person. I will not sit in the same section as that person. If we're having an event, they can be in charge of that. I'll work on this. God's concerned when we're like that, church. He's very concerned because He wants us to work well together. Psalms 133 verse 1 says these words, How wonderful and beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Kind of like that honey when the bees are working together. They produce something wonderful and something beautiful, something sweet. And I want Greater Alton to be that place. I want this church, I want you to want this church to be a place that's wonderful and beautiful. There's nowhere else on the planet that comes close to the church in this, in this grand experiment. Can we get along? Can we work together? You're from different backgrounds, different parts of the, of the state of the United States, the world. You're, you, you have different likes and dislikes. You're different shapes and sizes. And yet, God brings us all together to work together. And when it's done well, oh, my, the world marvels at it. How's that possible? Because what they expect is what they usually see. Tension. Division. A lack of working together. Now Romans 12 says this in the Living Bible. And you say, why do you use the Living Bible? Because it goes with my lesson. Look at it says. Work happily together. I liked it. It said working together. I was surprised it was there. Work happily together. You're probably used to hearing it say this. Live in harmony with one another. We had the worship team up here just a minute ago. And they were singing in harmony. You had bass, tenor, alto. What else? Soprano. And you had percussion. Whatever that is. Okay? But they're working together and creating something harmonious. Something pleasant to listen to, to encourage you. But also something pleasant to participate in. And as they do that together, it encourages that, you see. They have to work with differences in order to create that harmony. They've got to put up with differences. and They've got to listen to one another in order to work well together. Now what happens when we work well together? Two things I believe occur. Two things to note. First, by working together, we build up God's body. We build up the body. We build up the church. We build up the body of Christ. Look at the body. The Bible says here in Ephesians 4, the whole body depends on Christ and all the parts of the body are joined. Did you see that circle? That joined and held together. What I've noticed about this passage is that Paul's reminding the church at Ephesus, listen, God brought you together. You know, employers, they do the hiring and they just expect employees to work together. You don't get to choose who you get to work with. Am I right? Unless you say no to the place. And here we see Paul saying, hey, listen, it's Christ. The whole body depends on Christ. And he joins all these parts together, kind of like gearing. Whether you're small or big, it don't matter. They all matter. Believe me, you take a transmission apart, every gear matters. And every gear matters in the kingdom of God. And we're joined together. He brings us together. And we're held together. He bolts us down and holds us together. And look what he says. Then he explains. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow and be strong with love. So when I'm working well together with other parts of the body, the body is built up and it's, look, it's, it grows and it's strong with love. Sweet, honey, pleasant, good, 
love. Not only is the body built up, and by the way, the church is better when we work together. Would you agree with that? It's, I know you're saying, I already know this, Tim. Well, good. I'm, I need to hear this. Number two, by working together, we complete God's mission. Listen to Paul here in Colossians, and I want to remind you that, you know, we got our theme from the book of Colossians, and I'd like to remind you to be reading the book of Colossians. Why not just make it a goal to read at least once a month? Once a month, read the book of Colossians. Because you're going to find this verse here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. Now look at this. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they've been. Again, he says, I've got some co-workers working with me. And by the way, Paul could name his co-workers. He names a lot of them. There's Timothy, Titus, Tychicus, Trophimus. I call these the Mr. T guys. Pity the fool, don't work with Paul, you know. <laughs> work with Paul, man, come on. And he's got Aristarchus. He's got gobs of guys. Apollos, Quill and Priscilla, just to name a few. But he could name his co-workers. And what I notice about this, what I notice about this is it says, and what a comfort they've been by working together, how pleasant and good it is when we get along and work together. There's that honey reference again of those bees working together. It says, what a comfort they've been to me. But let me ask you something. Ask yourself a couple of few questions here. Number one, who are my co-workers? Who would you say... Who would you list as your co-workers in the kingdom of God? Now, yeah, you, I can name my co-workers at C&W. Denise Davison, Ashley Grove, Danny, my brother. Let's see. Then there's Michael. There's Nathan. There's Corey. There's this new guy, Devin Whitehead. That's my installers there. And then, let's see, there's Tom Tarantino. And then there's Ryan Donahue and Bill Stegall and my wife. There's my co-workers. We're all working together. I can name them. But can you name your co-workers in the kingdom of God? Who are the co-workers that you work side by side with for the kingdom? He says, they are working with me here for the kingdom of God. Who do I have as a co-worker working with me here? Second question maybe I'd like you to ask yourself is, Again, who's working with me here for the kingdom? Who's working with me in this community? Who's working with me on the campus? Who's working with me maybe in the workplace? Who's working with me and helping me? Who's the co-worker, the fellow worker that I would say is helping me work in God's kingdom? And then the third thing is, who am I partnering with to accomplish God's mission? That's the third question. Who's the person I'm partnering with to accomplish the mission that God has given us. Because we we got to do this together. We cannot do this individually. There's just no way it's going to happen. It's going to take a team. Now what I want to do now is just focus a little bit more in detail here on the five marks of working well with others. And God wants us to work well together. He wants us to get along and work well together. Well, how, did I, how do I accomplish that? What can I do? Well, the first thing you can do is 
I recognize my limitations. If I want to work well with others, I've got to realize I'm going to need other people. I'm going to need other people. Here's Ecclesiastes 4 again. It's a common passage in relationships. It says two people are better than one. That right there just says you need a co-worker. He says here, when two people work together, in other words, when you have co-workers, they get more done with co-workers. He says something about if you fall down and you fall alone, it's tragic. Then he says in verse 11, a person sleeping alone will not be warm. See, nobody accomplishes anything worthwhile by themselves. We need to have people by our side. I'm not going to labor this point too much. If you want to listen to the idea of how much we need each other, I suggest you go listen to the first lesson in this series just a few weeks ago. You see, I'm, very, I'm, not, always, I'm not strong in every area of my life. How about you? You know, i got strengths and weaknesses, and so do you. And we need the strengths of others if we're going to accomplish anything worthwhile in the kingdom of God. This mission that God has put, us, put in front of us is too large for one person. Too large for two. It needs a team of people. Who are those co-workers? And so first I just need to admit, I just need to admit, ah, I'm limited. I need to admit I need co-workers. Do you have them? If you want to work well, you want to work well with other people, you've got to, you've got to realize you need them. You know, a lot of people, they just act like they don't need any help whatsoever and they're going to do whatever they want at work, at home, and even in the kingdom of God. You know what? You're difficult to work with. Nobody wants to set things up with you. Nobody wants to work in events with you. Nobody wants to be in Bible studies with you because you've got it covered. You think you've got it all made. And because of that, it slows the work down. It actually decreases what we're able to really do. So this need of, hey, I need a coworker. I need to look across the aisle or look maybe across the room and just say, hey, you know what? I need you. I want to co-work with you. I need your help here in this. That's where it starts. Number two, I share the same goal with my coworkers. You want to work well with other people? You want to work well in your marriage? Share the same goal. What's the Bible say? We're not to be yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Unbelievers pull a different direction. That's what a yoke is. It holds two animals together. And if they're going in two different directions, it's going to make it really frustrating, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a ministry, whether it's at the workplace. I just I need to be a person that shares the same goal with my coworkers. I was talking one time, we were having a tech meeting, and I said, guys, what do you think our goal is at CNW? And there was some thought, and someone said, to make money. Oh, it brought me such joy to hear those words. Every employer wants to hear that, to make money. <laughs> you know. But uh, I said, no, it's not. Huh? There's another one? Yeah, there's another one. What could it be? And I said, well, I guess I've always thought our goal here is to solve people's problems. Ah. I said, yeah, if we solve people's problems, then the money will take care of itself. I said, sometimes you're going replacing a windshield and the woman's got a cat in a tree and needs help getting a cat out of a tree. And that, you don't put an invoice on that. 
How much do I charge Tim? He's got a cat. Well, how high is the cat up there? Oh, he's pretty high. Well, let's see, $10 a foot, you know. <laughs> Aggravation tax. No! Some people, are, they're, they're, they're just upset over a broken piece of glass and there's glass all over their car. And we're there to solve their problems, to get them down the road so they don't have to worry about it anymore. But see, and the thing that I'm saying is, is that one of, one of the problems we face in the kingdom is, is this idea that, you know, we have different ideas or maybe not necessarily ideas, but different agendas. Well, I want to accomplish this. Well, I want to accomplish that. And because we're not, we say, on the same page, we're not sharing, we're going in the same direction, it makes it very difficult to get anything done. You see, people who work well together share a common goal. You have to keep coming back to that goal. Alan and Gary and I, always coming back to the goal. Whenever there's a friction, and you say, you guys have friction? If you don't know that, you've, worked, you've not been paying attention. Of course there's friction. You put three different people in a room, two different people in a room. Now I know some of you say, oh, I can argue with myself. You need some help. But three, three of us in the same room are going to have a different way of looking at things. And what gets us back on track is, oh no, what are we trying to do again? Oh yeah, you're trying to do that. I am too, and you are too. Okay, okay, we're all trying to go the same direction. And I want to tell you, I appreciate your prayers and your concern about the three of us, but I'd like you to spend some time praying and having a little concern about how you're doing with others. How, how much are you on the same page with your coworkers? Because it's, it matters. It makes work either pleasant or a nightmare. Look at this, says here in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10. This is the easy to read version. Be completely joined together again with the same kind of thinking and the same purpose. I was in Chicago picking up a van yesterday. I jotted this down uh, through my voice activation, so it's not the prettiest. And here's what I wrote. Getting on the same page requires finding common ground. Listen to this. It hit me, because this challenged me. It's desiring to find more and more places of agreement than constantly trolling for discrepancies. Huh? That makes sense to you? Do you listen to people looking for a place to jump in and go, ah! You're like a, like a moral referee or a biblical referee. 15 yard penalty, you got that wrong. You know, and then you go, Bible misinterpreted, five yard penalty, repeat first down. I mean, just think about it. Some of us here, I included, get into this trap where I'm listening for the mistake, listening for the problem, looking for where I disagree. Why do I do that? I'm selfish. Why do you do it? You may not agree with everything. I wrote this to myself. You may not agree with everything, but when you're after common ground, Tim, you'll discover that you agree with a lot more than you expected. <laughs> I don't know how many times I'm going, I'm against it. And then one of my two friends will go, well, Tim, can I explain? Sure. And after they explain, I go, oh, sure. 
Oh yeah, I can, I can get that. I can embrace that. Why does it have to be so difficult? Because we're selfish. We're selfish. You may not agree with everything, but when you're after common ground, you'll discover you agree with a lot more than you expected. And I said this, so as I work with others, I should never forget that I have one common bond with that person whenever I face an issue or an obstacle. I have an overall common ground. We stand on the same place. So I have to look for that. It's in these agreements that we are able to build and cultivate a positive workplace in the kingdom of God. I don't know, I needed to hear that again. Um, you do a lot of thinking when you're riding all by yourself from Chicago. And it made me think about, what am I doing? Because he says, have the same kind of thinking and the same purpose. And then look at Philippians 2. Fulfill my joy. There's that pleasant and wonderful when brothers and sisters get along. Fulfill my joy, Paul says, by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Is he calling us to do everything the same way? No, but he's asking us to feel the same way, have the same love, think the same way, have this common goal. Uh, this morning I was praying with James Lampley and he said, Tim, I remember uh, something on ESPN. Um, there was a coach that used to coach Tom Brady. And as they were coaching, as he was coaching him, he said, I could see it in his eyes already that we were on the same page. I could see it just in his face that we were on the same page. You didn't have to say a word. And I want that. That I'm always aware and remembering, hey, we have the same goal. We have the same end in mind. Let me ask you, what is your goal? What is your goal this year? What is your goal for the, for you personally as a Christian? What's your goal as a church? What's your goal as your family? Now here's a better question. Is that goal about you or about the Lord? Is that goal about what you want and your preference here, home, work, or is it about what the Lord wants here at home and at work? And are your coworkers on the same page with you? Here's what I've learned. 99.9999% of the time, they're not because we don't talk about it. Because I'll tell you guys, I'm telling you from experience, the more the three of us talk, the more we discover what we agree on. And the better we're able to find common ground. You want your leadership to do that, right? Right? And let me tell you, your leadership wants you to do that. Right? Yeah. Oh, it'd make things so much easier. The Bible says it wouldn't be a burden to your eldership. It wouldn't even be a burden if we could learn to get along. Philippians 1. This is my, I, I couldn't believe how many times Philippians covers this kind of stuff. And this was Paul's favorite church. And I thought, well, they get along just fine. No, they don't. Even his sweetheart church is what it's called, had trouble getting along. And look at this in Philippians 1.27. Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. So whether I come and visit you or I'm away from you, I will hear... What will you hear, Paul? I will hear people talking. 
And it will get back to me, in other words. I will hear that you're standing strong with one purpose. That you will work together as one for the faith of the good news. What's he talking about here? He's saying how you work together and what you're working together for, people are going to talk about. It'll affect how we work together. It'll affect the reputation of the church here, of a Christian. And he says here, stand in with one purpose and work together as one. For what? For what I want? No, for the good news, for faith in the good news, for the gospel. Number three, if I want to work well with other people, I treat others the same way God treats me. Because <laughs> I can be a handful. You know, you work with someone long enough, and guess what? You're gonna, it's going to confirm a fact of life. Nobody's perfect. We all got our cracks. We all got these differences. Not necessarily sin. It's just different. They see things different. They're quirky. I'm quirky. I have my faults. And opinions? Oh my goodness, everybody has an opinion. Whenever we do an open mic celebration, I cringe. Because how long is that going to last? I got something to say. I got something to say. man. And the opinions start going out. Sometimes we're working with somebody, we find them to be abrasive or inconsiderate and at times obnoxious. I've been told I've been all three of those, so I know that's true. So what do I do with these things, these differences? They have a different way of looking at stuff. And it's I've had people say to me, just the sound of their voice. and ah, I don't even want to hear them talk. What do I do with that? You've got to work with them. You've got to work with them, folks. God put these parts together. So quit trying to jump out of the machine. He put all of us together. You know, my body parts aren't trying to get out of me. They're kind of stuck with each other. And I'm not saying you have to say, I'm stuck here, I guess. But you might have to say you're stuck. God put me here. God's put me here with others. And some of these people, I just don't understand. I don't, I, I don't know where they're going. I don't know where they're coming from. And what do I do with them? Well, I think I have to treat them the same way God treats me because sometimes I don't know where I'm coming from and I don't know where I'm going. And sometimes I can get on people's nerves and sometimes I can talk too much. No amens. Wow. Okay. You're nice to me. So what do I do? I give them what I need when I'm that way. I cut them some slack. I give them the benefit of the doubt. That's a big one. I give them some grace. Look what the Bible says here in Colossians 3. Make allowances for each other's faults. That's in the Bible. Make allowances for each other's faults. He snacks when he chews. Make allowances for that. He's always wanted to talk about the days when he was doing this. Let him talk about it. She's always going on and on and on about some TV show. Let her go on and on and on about some TV show. Make allowances for each other's faults. And then it says, and forgive. So not only do I make allowance, I have to forgive for the, of these faults. Anyone who offends you. Because some of those faults are offensive. Some of those faults offend me. Some of those faults will offend you. As we work together. 
I know this is true in the workplace, and it's also true in the church place. We, we have, we do things to one another we don't even mean to do. We're just different. And because we're different, we may bump into somebody. And then what do we do? Do we hold a grudge? Do we get, just avoid them? Do we gossip about them? What do we do? Bible says, treat them the same way God treats you. Make allowance. Forgive them. Remember. He says, here's something else you can do. Just remember this. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. What's he mean by make allowances? Is he saying look the other way? No, he's saying look at others in a different way. Look at them through the eyes of God, just like God looks at you through his own eyes. You look at others that way. It means I adjust my attitude to give others some latitude, to give some people some margin, some room to grow, to change, to, to grow. You know, a lot of times I'll have, I'll hear people, somebody say something, I'm just saying this, I'm wondering about this, and, and they have this opinion, only six months later to have a different opinion. What happened? You moved, you changed on me. No, I'm growing like you are. And one day, one day I can have an opinion and it can change overnight. It happens to me. Maybe it doesn't happen to you all. But if it happens to me, I'm sure it happens to you. And when it happens to each other, we've got to give people room to think things over. They have different ideas, which is good. You want difference. You want difference, folks, in this church. We want difference. Heard it said this way, you know, what makes marriage so exciting is opposites attract. You put Denise and I side by side, and what do you got? You got one that's real quiet and thinks. And when she says something, she's edited it in advance. And the other guy, uh, he's a mess. I'm all over the road, and she's like, calm down. I, I see this in a lot of our couples. Opposites attract. I mean, do you really want to be married to you? Why not? I would kill me. Some of you say, if I married me, I'd be bored. Right. You put, I heard it said this way, take two negative poles on a battery, hook the wires up, and what do you get? Nothing. Two positive poles, nothing. Ah, negative, positive, and what do you get? Sparks begin to fly. And it can be good, it can power something as strong as a motor, power something in a marriage, or it can just sparks fly. It's the way it is. We need differences. And so people are going to be different. I should even expect, I should expect people to be different. (laughs) What's wrong with me? All along I thought they were supposed to be like me. No, they're supposed to be different. They're going to be different. God made them different. Yes, He broke the mold when He made that crazy person that you're thinking of. I got news for you. He broke your mold too. He goes, that's enough of Tim's. And the angels went, good. Oh man, I'm so glad you broke that mold. There's a bunch of broken molds. And the reason that's that way is because He made you the way you are. So you're going to be different than somebody. You're going to have some quirks. You're going to have some ideas. You're going to have some styles that are different. I appreciated Mike Danius last week. Great job. Great job of preaching. Yeah, good job. And we talked about, we talked about, are we trying, are we trying to make everything one style? No, no, no. You don't want everybody the same style. You just want everybody to preach the Word of God in a helpful way. I want that. And that's all I'm after. That's all I'm after. And we need difference. We need different ideas. We need different outlooks. 
Not all of them are good. Not all the ideas are smart. Not all the ideas are right. There's better ideas. I understand that. But there's nothing wrong with tolerating, making allowance for people to share and work together. All I know is two heads are still better than one. I know it's not in the Bible, but it's true. It's true. Look what the Bible says here. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. You see, it. what is he saying? I need to pass on God's forgiveness that I get, the forgiveness that God has for me, I need to pass on to them. I need to learn to overlook the offenses. Listen, very important you get this. I don't stew and brew when this kind of stuff happens. And especially I don't go around gossiping about this person. You're talking to people who are going to agree with you. And where did that get you? If you're talking to people that don't like that person too, what good is that? Where's the wisdom in that? You've got to resist this stewing and brewing when somebody's got some other idea. No, we meet those faults with God's forgiveness. We meet those faults with God's forgiveness. What does it mean to overlook an insult? It means to ignore them. Right? It means to ignore it. There are some things you just need to ignore. Now with that said, there are going to be some things you cannot overlook any longer. You are going to have to deal with them as we're working together. You have to confront them. But listen, but your main focus cannot be about your feelings and your preferences, Tim. No. You want them to be about God's preferences and God's feelings and satisfy God's desires and satisfy what He needs to get the job done. So that's why number four is here. I resolve conflicts with my coworkers God's way if I want to work well with others. Look at it says here, you must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate to one another, cultivating a life in common. You know, it's inevitable. You're going, you're going to, as you work together, as we work together in the kingdom, we're going to bump into one another and there's going to be some friction. And sometimes this friction, it's, it's just, it has to be resolved. It can't, you can't overlook it. This is not some quirky thing that happens every once in a while. This is a pattern that has to be dealt with. And the thing is, if we're not careful, we can choose to bicker about it, bicker with each other. And the thing is, when we start bickering, folks, the purpose, the overall goal gets hazy and lost in the process. And and the quality of what we're trying to do just drops like a hammer. And that happens in churches where there's unresolved conflict. And by the way, I'll say it again. A lot of the unresolved conflict in our church isn't real loud. It's under the radar. It's a quiet, cold war. I've been offended by that person and I'm not. And I want you to know that that right there is hurting us so much. Oh, I'm afraid if I deal with it, I'll get hurt. Well, that's you're right. That's true. You're afraid. Fear of getting hurt. You're selfish. You'd rather have the problem stay the way it is than resolve it. You'd rather have the problem stay the way it is and, and have, and have hurt feelings continue and be miserable than to obey the Lord and resolve the conflict. I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you from personal experience, 
this is a big challenge. This to me, this point here is really about really becoming mature, really growing up in the Lord here and handling conflict, whether it's at home or the workplace or even here in a godly way. The church of Philippi, for example, was having trouble. This is Paul's favorite church. And I didn't realize they were having this kind of conflict. No one really even knows what it's over, but it's over two women. Two women are having a problem. And Paul says, this has got to stop. He's got to address it. And look what he says here in Philippians 2. Here's what I'm asking Iodia and Syneche to do. I'm asking them to work together in the Lord. That's because they both belong to the Lord. Why should I resolve stuff between us as a church? Because we're, God put us together. We belong to the Lord. And then he goes on and makes this statement. Help these women because they have served at my side. They have worked with me to spread the good news. Because they're co-workers. They've got to get along. This is the only time these two women are mentioned in the Bible. Only time. And what are they known for? Church place drama. I don't want to be that person. Only time they're ever mentioned. I know... I hope they're in heaven. I can see them in heaven going, Tim, we, we worked it out. I wish that Paul would have wrote that down. You know, I don't know. We look bad. Well, it's because it is bad. That's why. All I know is, you know, I don't want to be known for church drama. Are you known for church drama? Are you known as somebody? Go, don't ask them to help. Don't ask her to be involved because it'll just glom up the system. Uh, the message says it this way up on the screen. Here's how the message says it. Uh, it's very interesting. I urge Yodia and Syneche to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want His children holding grudges. So, God, what do you want me to do when there's conflict as we're working together? Because we're going to bump into each other. You work together as husband and wife, you're going to bump into each other. You work as a family, you're going to bump into each other. Working at work, you're going to bump into each other. And working together, we're going to bump into each other. And and folks, listen, you may say, well, you know, I've always had a volatile conflict in my family. I've always had, it's all, you know, that's the way it is in the workplace. So I guess that's the way it is with God. I'm asking you to adjust that expectation. I'm asking you to challenge that expectation. It doesn't have to be that way in the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to be that way in ministry, in small groups, in events, in worship services, in celebrations, in meetings. No, he's saying here, Tim, you've got to work it out so you can work together. Because if you don't work it out, we can't work together and we're not going to do much. By the way, this isn't about doing more so we're cool. No, it's about doing what God wants us to do and accomplishing what He wants. It makes it impossible. It hurts His family. It hurts your family. Listen, I've got family. My, I can talk about my Gill family, and that's all I'll talk about is my side of the family. We're, a, we're rascals. We're a mess. That's all I'm going to say. We fight constantly. Something going on. Uh, you know, we thought we buried, when we buried my dad and his sister and a bunch of others, that it would die. You know, you have this mentality. It'll die when the, that old, old order will die. It don't die. They reproduced. And I will tell you right now, I hate it when I, I hate drama in our family. I got, I got, People beating each other up right now. Not, not Nathan and Matthew. Not, no, it's my cousins. They're acting like idiots. What's wrong with them? 
it won't be long. They'll be looking at us. What's wrong with them? Now, is the Gill family the only family? I heard Danny laugh. Is the Gill family the only family that has this issue? Do you like family drama? And the answer is, no. Sometimes we all have it, because we need it. But I don't like church drama either, over petty stuff. Over petty stuff. Come on. No, we got it. We got it. When we bicker and we argue and we fight, all we do is we just create. It just makes the family of God more difficult to work together. It doesn't create peace and harmony. Philippians two says this, and whatever you do, don't let. He says this to the church of Philippi before he gets onto these two women. Don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Be humble and honor others more than yourselves. I looked at that and I went. What causes most of the bickering and drama in my relationships? Pride and selfishness. That's what causes most of it. Pride and selfishness. Why? Because my pride and my selfishness focus on one way. My way. I want my way. I want to do things my way. I've got the best ideas. How many of your ideas are the best? All of them. You don't believe that? That's what pride and selfishness do. It's a breeding ground for this kind of stuff. And when I've got pride and selfishness, and I'm focusing on my way, I tend to run from conflict. I tend to run from it because my way says, I don't want to get hurt. I might find, I might find in this conflict what I need to own. And I don't, I'm not after that. The problem is when you run away from any conflict you have, and some of you here know what I'm talking about, and I don't, I'm not meaning to shame you, but you know, if you, I don't mean this, but I, I've, I've watched people marry again and again and again and again, and they run from one bad one to another bad one to another bad one. You're going, until they find, they have to deal with it. If they don't deal with it, they don't stop and say, look, running is not the answer. I'm going to deal with it. They're going to be miserable. Because just as soon as I run out of this church, there's another church just waiting. To drive you crazy. Am I right? Well, I'm getting out of this town. I'm going to start. Fresh start. I'm going to go. Guess what? There are people already in line going, I want to live next to him. And they're going to be, they're, I'm going to get a new place to work. And I want to know, there's sometimes you do need a new place, new start. I get it. But sometimes, folks, even those employees that are waiting for you, you've applied for, they can't wait till you get there so they can drive you nuts too. It's just, they're there. When you run, you're going to run into another one. Some people say, well, I, I'm not running. I'm going to run into it. And I'm going, I'm going to fight. Yeah, your, your pride and selfishness, your desire is, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to win. And you don't care if you blow people's faith apart. Destroy people's lives. I've been, I've done that. I'm going to win this argument. Yeah, what did you, what did you accomplish? What did you really accomplish? I'm almost, uh, haven't got time to tell you that one. It's a good story. No, nobody wins when you're, when you got this attitude, I'm gonna win. Now if it's about victory, giving victory for the Lord, and I'm not saying paint a thin coat of that over your own desire to win. No, it's really about what God wants, man. That, then go for it. Go for it. You have to put yourself out there. 
You may, maybe you say, well, I want, I'm just going to ignore it. You know, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. You've already made a big deal about it. You've already went and talked to somebody about it, haven't you? You've made it a big deal already. Because you've been gossiping about it. Who are you talking to, Tim? I'm talking to you. I'm just saying, guys, that's what happens sometimes around here. And the thing is, you can ignore it. If you ignore it, I just want you to know, it'll always be there waiting for you when you can't ignore it any longer. I'm talking about home, workplace, even in the kingdom of God. We've got to learn to to resolve conflict with those that we live with the way God would want us to. And it's not like we're used to. That's why this everyday conflict, we're wanting to get, we're wanting to get that resolving everyday conflict back up and running. I know that we said something about maybe it's on, we'll have it on the website soon, but, but also wanting to have some kind of a, a group where we can go through that again and learn about how to, how to solve conflict because it's everywhere. You see, as I close this part here, that's what I'll make you see this. Humility, see, is the difference between pride and selfishness. It insists on God getting His way in any matter. It's insistent. I want God to have His way. And most of the time I find that if I wanted God to have His way, it isn't going to be mine. It may not include mine most of the time. He's got something else in mind. So I resolve my conflicts with my coworkers. And here's the last thing. If I really want to work well with others, I stand behind my coworkers. I'm not going to sit here and try to explain, well, you got to have the character that people can stand behind. I understand that. We're not talking about that. But I'm talking about we need to appreciate those that work with us in some way. We need to support them. Maybe it's encouraging them in some way. But how we treat them. Look at this, the Bible says in 3 John, so we ourselves should support them. Now who's the them he's referring to? It's about these people working in the kingdom that are going from city to city to preach the gospel. And they have to be coming to the city uh, of the people that are hearing this passage. And John says, look, we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. He says we should support them because, one translation says, because we want to be co-workers with them. You want to help create a better work environment? Encourage and build people up that you're working with. See, I either encourage or discourage people by how I treat them. I encourage them to work or discourage them to work by how I treat them. I could be a jerk of a boss, but I've never gotten high productivity out of anybody that way. I can persuade and listen and nod and appreciate people who work for me. And you know what? I seem to get better results with that. And that's true in the kingdom. And John's saying, you want to be partners with people like this. So make your support very clear here. You know, So I want to ask you, are you encouraging or discouraging people to work in the kingdom? Are you discouraging or encouraging people to work at Greater Alton? You want to stand behind these co-workers. Look at this, what the Bible says. Brothers... We ask you show your appreciation for those who work among you, set an, who set an example for you in the Lord and instruct you. Hold them in the highest regard. You hold your leaders here in the highest regard. 
Do you respect leadership in the kingdom of God? Or are you, are you digging at them? Someone says, with a lot of little digs, you can bury a person. Hold them in the highest regard, loving them because of their work. And there it is again. Live in peace with each other. Live in harmony with each other. Work well together. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters get along with each other. There's that hint there. What's he talking about here? He's talking about harmony. He's talking about support. He's talking about encouragement. Be grateful that you have somebody working. If you have a coworker beside you, do they know how grateful you are? You ought to be thankful. Be thankful. Let them know. Express it to them. Support them when they get discouraged. Hold them up when they get weary. Point out when they're being what they need to be. Because when you do, you make the work environment in your home, you make the work environment where you're employed, and you make the work environment around here so much better. There is a card in your bulletin, and it's a simple response card. I'm going to give you a chance to fill that card out. It's also a prayer request card. I don't know what you need to change to make the work environment at home better, or the work environment, you know, in your family better, you know, or where you work. But I especially want to ask you, what do you need to adjust to make the work environment here better? What do you need to do so that there's more harmony in our church? More harmony in the community? What do you need to work on? What do you need to change? I want to ask you to have the courage to write that down on that card. Make a decision today. If you're a guest here, you know, we want you to know you can fill out a card. You, you, you got stuff. I, I prayed with a few guys. And everybody's got stuff to pray about. Maybe there's something you'd like to get someone to pray for you about. This prayer team prays and talks to God and no one else about what you put on the card. Especially if you put confidential. But they, they talk to the Lord about what you got on that card. Take advantage of that. A powerful moment for you right now this morning. Let me say one last thing as we... Before we sing, we're going to sing a song, of course, you know, and, and, and uh, let you have time to do that card. And then uh, we'll sing another song and take up those cards. And I want you to know, if, as a guest, you're not under any obligation to give any money to this church. And those of you who are members here, we, we want you to know we encourage you to give. Give, give cheerfully. But if you're a person here that's not a Christian, I want you to know that God wants you to have a harmonious relationship with Him and with other Christians. He wants that desperately for you. He wants you to be able to look at your life, look back on your life and go, good and faithful servant. He He wants to say that to you. And I want you to know that happens by your faithfulness, but also when you dovetail it in with your co-workers and your in a church. I hope you I hope you have a good church. If you haven't found a good church, it's that you consider us. Because you need help. I do too. Let's pray and 
we'll be through here. Father, we thank you for just a wonderful Sunday morning, Lord. Thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Father, uh, help us build your body up. Help us complete your mission. And help us doing it by work, by, do it by working together. Help us share. Father, let's determine what we want to do. Let's share the same goal. Let's let our common goal unite us. As we overlook differences, Father, and things that might get on our nerves, and look through your eyes at each other. Father, is there a conflict any of us here needs to resolve? Would you give us the courage? Maybe we need to get a coworker to help us with it. But help us resolve any of these conflicts that we have. Maybe it's with our husband or our wife or with our parents. Maybe it's with somebody at work we've never really talked about where we work, you know, Lord, and maybe we need to open up and say, I've got this issue at the office or the factory. But Father, I also pray that we'll think about how are we working, first of all, in Your kingdom and who are we working with? And if there's someone here, Father, we just have trouble working with that will we'll have the courage and the faith and the desire to resolve it so Your work can be effective. Who needs our encouragement, Father? Well, I ask who needs encouragement? Would you give them that encouragement? But who needs our encouragement, Father? Help us give that as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.